this past Friday we went to the Bronx Zoo. It was it was it was a wonderful experience because uh, last time Becky was there, she was really small, and so she didn't remember our our visit. She was never there before, so this was really special. She was there in spirit. Yes. <laughs> but it was important, Becky's first visit there, that she actually got to really experience the zoo, as most of her siblings did. And for Isaac, since he was so small, he didn't really remember much about it either. So it was beautiful to see these kind of things through my children's eyes again. And a wonderful experience of uh, just enjoying them, enjoying the, the sights and, and, and everything that was going on. And it was special also because God started to speak to me similar things uh, throughout the day. So I think there's a, there's a propheticness happening here today. The very first exhibit that we actually walked through was called the World of Birds. This huge building with... All kinds of exotic birds, every shape, color, sounds, incredible sounds of their music and everything. And as we went through, there was like these little special man-made habitats for these birds. And you went from one to another, and it was funny. Some had glass enclosures so the birds couldn't fly out, but some were open. And you wonder why the birds didn't fly out. Uh, the inner doorways had these long strips of cloth, thick, thick cloth that kind of that you could easily walk through if you're a human being. But for a bird, I imagine it'd be pretty difficult to fly through. So there was no real worry of these birds escaping, and they were probably uncomfortable with trying to fly through these things. So as we went through this exhibit, it was God was just really kind of speaking to me, and I was really enjoying the beauty of these, the color of these birds, the sounds they were making. It was really kind of cool. But as soon as we left the building, almost, almost as soon as I left the door, a sparrow flew over my head. And I started to think. There was this man-made building with man-made habitats, made man, man-made, man-made enclosures, habitats, cages, and they called it the world of birds. You step outside the building and God's world of birds, the actual world of birds. The other one was a substitute, mimic of it, a shadow of it. And then we stepped outside to the real world of birds. Sparrows and robins and blackbirds and crows and blue jays. All kinds of birds, free. No enclosures. Nothing to keep them captive. Nothing to hold them in. And nothing to keep them from escaping. And everything about it was that they were free to be a bird. 100% bird. Free. Completely. Free. Absolutely. Total freedom. And their father was taking care of them. Inside, there was this man fed them, man cleaned their enclosures, man did this, man did that, man did that, but they were still not free. And the word I started to get was that this, here's, here's what I want for my people. I want that, my people to be like that sparrow. I want them to be free. I want them to be free. 
And I want them to be powerful. And I want them to be alive. See, because in those man-made habitats, these birds are not really alive. They're breathing. They're existing. They probably have a good gig. I mean, they're getting fed. They don't have to worry about food. But they're not alive. Because they're not free. They're certainly not powerful because they can't get through this stupid door that's got cloth on it. So they're neither free or powerful or really alive. So you got this beautiful bird with bright colors singing this powerful song. It's got huge claws and is totally captive. And you got this little sparrow not threatening anybody. Totally alive and free and powerful because it's being what God wants it to be. So as we kind of hop along this, uh, the story of Pentecost today, can we keep this in mind? And can we keep in mind what God started to do last week in our midst when we, we spent the time of repentance? Okay, remember we, it was a, I don't know about you, but it was a powerful moment for me. And God talked about this last week about you know, developing this spirit of gratefulness. That this was, was something that we, we had to repent from being ungrateful as, as, as a people, as, as a congregation. And not that it, was, never, it wasn't a hammer. It was a wooing to, to his heart. And I believe that this is connected, that the story of Pentecost and what God did on that day and what God is continuing to do because of that day is connected to that, to that prophetic word of, of being free, being powerful, and being alive. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes us all those things. So I hope you don't mind if I... My sermon is fluid today. Because I, I just feel like it's going to be. So, But I'm going to really need God's help. So we join in prayer with me. Father, we do thank you for this day. We do thank you that you're here with us, that you're always with us. So I ask, Father, again, that you will speak through me, that you would empty me of me, that you would put your words, your power, your anointing on what you want to say so that these words are effective, these words are lasting, these words bring life, because you are the giver of life. We come to you We come to you. We come to you. Because who else can we go to? We come to you, our Father, our God, our Messiah, our King. We we lay down before you in our spirits and we say, Father, please have your way with us today. Please speak to us. Oh, we need to hear you. And we need to hear you not only in this place, but as we leave this place and throughout the days that we walk. we We need to hear your voice. So I pray that today that there will be something stirred up in us. Because you want us alive, you want us powerful, and you want us free. So show us today, through your word, how that's possible. Show us by the example of what these early followers, what happened to them, what what went on that day. But express your great love to us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is Jay wearing a suit today? In the 80s, there was this term, power suit. Anybody remember that term, power suit? It's very important. If you wanted to make a statement about who you were, 
that you showed an air of confidence, that you showed that you had command, that you showed that you were all together, you wore a power suit with something red. Because you wanted to send a message that you were confident, you were in control, and you were someone to be reckoned with. A power suit. It made a statement as you walked into a room. This is a $300 plus suit. I don't know if that impresses you or not, but it is. It's a $300 suit. I like this suit. I don't like wearing it all the time, but I like it. I like the, how it feels on me. I like, I like how I look at it, even though, you know, I'm not that powerful or that impressive. But I, I love the way it feels on me. And I wouldn't want to wear it every day, and I certainly don't want to wear it more than I have to today. But I do like wearing this suit. It's a $300 suit. It's a, it's a power suit. And usually when I wear it, people notice me because I'm either not dressed this way or because it makes a statement about, I'm not sure it's a right statement, but it does make a statement when I wear it. But what I really like about this suit, this $300 suit, it was given to me. I didn't have to buy it. I couldn't buy it. I wouldn't probably buy, even if I had the money, a $300 suit. I couldn't get the concept to my brain cells to say that I could, why spend $300 on a suit? But someone gave it to me. Matter of fact, they gave me a couple more suits that were also very expensive suits. But this is the one that fit me the best. It looked like it was made for me. Someone gave me a power suit. And it fits. And I knew... I was going to have to wear this suit later on today for the wedding. And, and I, the guy said, I, I, I really want you to wear this suit today. Because this suit was given to you. This suit was placed on you. Someone invested in this suit for them, but they gave it to you. It reminded me of this scripture in Luke. So if you don't mind going to Luke... We will get back to the book of Acts, but Luke 24, 49. And it says this. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father. Again, talking about the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city. Again, talking about Jerusalem. Until uh, you are clothed with power from on high. Behold, I am sending, you, sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, the Greek word for upon means to superimpose on. Superimpose something on someone or something. To put something that covers someone. Someone superimposed the suit on me. The word clothed, in the King James Version, it says endued with power. But the word clothed means to sink into clothing. To sink into it. To invest in clothing. Or just to put, simply to put it on. But the whole idea is that once you put on this suit, once you are clothed with this, you are identified with the person who clothes you with it. You no longer 
really look like yourself. You look like the person who gave you the clothes. Does that make sense? In scriptures and throughout the New Testament, it says that we should be clothed with Christ. And it talks about the transformation of what we were, of who we were, into who we were really meant to be. That sounds like freedom to me. Sounds like freedom to me. So the, this, whole, this whole concept here is to talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon us, superimposing himself on us, and clothing us with his nature, with his purpose, with his power, and the changes and the transformation that take place in our life is because we now are walking around in a power suit, power clothes. We're making a statement when we go someplace. We are powerful to effect change in our community because of what the Holy Spirit has done for us. And this is really the message of what's going on in Acts 2. And we pick up the story in Acts 2 real quick. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm going to go back and forth. And as I'm trying to listen to the Spirit here and <laughs> make sense of this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Does that say in upper room? No. Why do we assume that it is? What I love about this is that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. One mind. One passion. In one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Rushing. Not a Russian one. Rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. A lot of people get into the upper room because of that word house. They assumed that it was an upper room. Again, because they were in another room in earlier in chapter 1. They assumed they were in the same place. No. I'm going to get to that. And, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at, the sound, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Because each one of them hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us his own native language? And it goes to a list of different people, Medes and, and people from Asia and all these other places, okay? And it says they were hearing the disciples, and all 120 of them were baptized with the Holy Spirit, by the way, hearing the disciples telling in all these different tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. At the time that this was happening, the day of Pentecost, there were multitudes of Jewish people in Jerusalem because they were celebrating the festival of the weeks. Okay? Sabbat, the best way I can pronounce it. The Festival of the Weeks is celebrated for two reasons. It is a, a celebration of first fruits of the harvest, giving first fruits back to God for a, a bountiful harvest. 
The other reason why it's celebrated is it's celebrated because it is the day or the time that God gave the law on Mount Sinai. So they gathered to celebrate these, these two things. There was one of the three festivals that they had to gather in Jerusalem to celebrate. So why is this important? Jerusalem is crazy busy. There are thousands of people in Jerusalem again. The, when God gave the law on Mount Sinai, that was a pretty powerful demonstration of his, of his power and his intent, speaking the law into the people, starting this covenant with his people. The day of Pentecost was going to be the same thing. The connection here is this. You had a group of people ready to celebrate in this huge city, a meaningful festival that meant something dearly to these people. The mindset, the mindset of the human, uh, Hebrew mind at this time is that uh, it was the celebration that they could give something back to God, their first fruits, but also that they were receiving the word. See, God gave the word, but to a Jewish mind, they, for the rest of their life, they were continuously receiving the law. That this was a covenant to them. This meant something to them. So they were, for the rest of their life, they were going to be receiving this law from, from, from God. It was a relational thing when it first, the, the early mindset was it was more relational than what it became to some other Jews. So you got this mindset going on, and God was about to do something really powerful again. The word Pentecost comes from a Greek word called Pentecostus. Okay? Again, I'm not pronouncing it right, but the point is that that word means 50 days. 50 days after they was, uh, the Jewish people would celebrate the festival of weeks, 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after that is actually the same thing for Pentecost, for the day of Pentecost. God was setting something up here. God is, has orchestrated these times and these dates for a huge purpose. And he was going to demonstrate something immensely powerful. So, why I don't think they're in the upper room? Well, there's 120 of them. This church holds about 100 people. And you see the size of this room. People homes, they didn't have rooms like this, this big. They didn't. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. It says later in, the, in, the, in this scripture, there is 9 o'clock in the morning. Guess where they are at 9 o'clock in the morning? They're at the temple. They're at the temple celebrating. So they might have been a... When it talks about house, the Hebrew word for house and Greek actually meaning the same thing. It's talking about it could be a home, but it mostly refers to the temple. They're at the temple. That's why there's so many people around them. That's why all these people heard this commotion when the, when the rushing wind came. Rushing wind is very important. The Hebrew word for rushing wind means breath of God. Breath of God. So they've got this commotion going on. You've got this, rush, this sound of a rushing wind comes in. Fires, tongues of fire appear above the disciples' head. Imagine that, 120 people. And you've got these flame things going on over their head. You think people would notice? Yeah. They did notice. So they start to gather around this phenomenon. See, the wonderful thing about wind and fire, to the Hebrew mind again, they knew that that was a manifestation of God's presence. They understood that God was doing something here. 
Now, some mocked it. See, there's always two responses to this in a human being. We either marvel at it and wonder and go, wow, what is going on? An honest question. What is going on, God? What is, what's happening here? Honest question. To the mocking spirit. These men are filled with wine. There's always a, a, a response to the human heart that goes in two categories, I believe. It's wonder, mocking. And so we see that evident here. Okay. So they're not, they're at the temple. The celebration of the weeks is going on. This great thing is going on. They start talking in other tongues, other languages, so that all the different kinds of ethnic groups that are there hear them, what, worshiping. Because remember, they're talking about the great things of God. This is really a worship service that, the, that these people are witnessing happening. These people are speaking all kinds of different languages, all kinds of different tongues. People are hearing their own language, but what they're hearing in their own language is people talking about God and marveling at all these great deeds. They are worshiping God. I have to think that they're being grateful here. That a spirit of gratefulness has been really birthed into this new church. That the new church was birthed with gratefulness in their heart because it began with worship. And these people are beginning to, to, to hear the, the sounds of their own language. I wish we had, you know, a couple of our new people were here today because so, I was going to have them read the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer in their own language today. Just so that we could hear. Now, obviously, they would know what it means, but we would have to trust that, that what they're saying. But these people heard people talking and praising God in their own language. And none of these, these disciples, 120 people, they might have known a little Greek. They might have known a little bit of a, uh, uh, of a different language, but surely they did not be able to speak all those different languages that were present. Read the number of groups that are in that. God supernaturally placed words in their mouth. Kind of going back to what it says, don't worry about what you're going to say in front of people because I will put words in your mouth. I can even put a different language in your mouth if, if it need be. I'm going to be able to help you communicate what I need to be communicated no matter what the barrier is. I'm going to help you get through that barrier if you will just trust me. Free, powerful, and live. I love what this does to Peter. I really love what it does to Peter, and I love Peter. I identify with Peter so much. Not because he was a great apostle, but because he was really a screw-up, and so am I. But I love what, what the, this, this power suit does to Peter here. Peter stands up and gives a sermon, a, a, a talk, a exhortation, a prophetic word even, and 3,000 people come into the kingdom that very day. I love what he does to Peter here. Did you ever wonder this? This is a, Peter stands up. They are just experienced speaking in many different foreign languages, right? So many different foreign languages. 100, 120 people speaking in all kinds of, of foreign languages. There's this great crowd. 
that heard all their different languages. Do you ever wonder what language Peter spoke when he stood up? I don't know. I mean, it's just a, this is an interesting thing to me. It just came to my mind just now and said, what language was he speaking then? That everyone understood him. You know, this whole thing is surprising to me what God does here. And it's, and we need to get into talking about what you know, speaking in tongues is all about. And, and, and maybe we can discuss those kind of things uh, during the weeks ahead. But right now, so many people have put this, this, the day of Pentecost as being all about speaking in tongues. And that's not so. It's about becoming the church. It's about power. It's about freedom. It's about being alive. About being purposed to do what God has purposed us to do. So here's Peter, who has failed Jesus so many times. And he is filled, he has been clothed in a power suit. The Holy Spirit has superimposed himself on him. He has changed the way he looks and walks and breathes, and he stands up with power. He gives this beautiful sermon so that who received that word, his word were baptized and added 3,000 souls. Wow. 3,000 souls. The power of what the Holy Spirit does is make us step into our purpose and step into freedom. I don't think... Peter is so alive right here. He's so free here. And he certainly is powerful here because of the Holy Spirit. Of what he was able to dissect and put together and explain to these people some mocking, some interested and convincing 3,000 of them to come into the kingdom that day. They were baptized. Another reason why I think they were at the temple. Remember, we talked about it. At the temple, there were, there were set aside baptismal pools ready for the ceremonial cleansing. They were right there. It was in prime spot to, do, to get people into the kingdom and get them baptized. I am so off my notes. So when Leanne shares a, a word about a tragic thing, something that was noticed by other people, And then we read about what happened on Pentecost and we read about people acting differently than what they did before. Disciples, they ran, they hid, they denied. The Holy Spirit comes, the promise of the Father comes. They are Giving, they're given power, they're given freedom, they're alive again, but they're always also been given an opportunity. See, all that could have happened, you know, they could have been filled with the Holy Spirit. They should, you know, been, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and and they could have just said, "Wow, that was a great worship service," and just completely ignored the crowds around them and went around their business. Somehow Peter notices in the midst of this worship service that there's, there's people around them. 
And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, stands up with boldness and says something. Says something. I am going to suggest that often we don't feel bold enough to to do something or to say something. But boldness comes when we stand up to, to do so. That's when the boldness comes. If we wait for the boldness to come, often enough times we don't do anything. But the power suit changes us. Induces us with power. It goes on to say that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That word devoted again. That connectedness, that hooked together thing. And they spent their time in the temple. A lot, it says at the end of the verse. Together. We're here together. God wants to rest on him, uh, us with the Holy Spirit to, to get us to be transformed as we put on Christ more and more with clothing that makes us look different than what we were. With a supernatural change of who we are. That we're free. That we're alive. And I think we both, we're comfortable with being free and we're comfortable with being alive. I don't think we're comfortable with being powerful. I think something about that bothers us this morning. I think we tend, when we think about power, we think of a destruction power. You know, we, we, we think that it, we're afraid of power. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power. The word is doomless. Miracle working power, explosive power, the same word that we get eventually dynamite from. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, rested on you, superimposed him on us. You will be my witnesses, Martus, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We have to receive power. It is part of the freedom and part of being alive. We have to stop being afraid of being powerful creations. See, the power comes because the Holy Spirit resides and lives within us all the time, 24-7, 365. He is with us. It is His power. It is His anointing. It is everything about Him. But we can accept being powerful people. We can walk in power. And I think some of the times why we don't see miracles, why we don't see things changing in our own life or in the life of others because we're afraid of that power for some reason. And somehow I think it's connected to, connected to being grateful. See, because when they were together and they were praising God, and they were telling about the mighty works of God working in their lives, they were being grateful. They were expressing gratefulness. And somehow, I think gratefulness sets us free. Because when you're concentrated on the fact that God is faithful, that He has been faithful, and that His promises are that He will be faithful, then you start to get grateful for the things that you're, that you're actually can see working in your life. 
even though you might be going through difficulties and hardships and sorrow and pain, physical, mental, financial, relational issues. So that's why I think being afraid of being powerful creations, of allowing that power to, to flow through us. See, the power to escape enclosures and man-made habitats that keep us contained and safe and looking a certain way. But we're afraid to leave because what's going to happen if we do? Forgetting that fact that we have been endued, clothed with power to change situations like that, like others. We have to stop being afraid. Ungratefulness is so tied into fear. And fear will poison you. Fear will keep you in that enclosure, that man-made habitat, and say that you can't get beyond that window. You can't get beyond those cloth strips. You can't get beyond that barrier. You can't get beyond anything because you're so stinking afraid you won't move. God's saying, you're a powerful creation. I have placed my power. See, the power that created the universe is in you. The power to be able to to have your speech in such a way that it could get communicated through any kind of barrier. The The kind of power that changes a man who ran away to a man who stands strong and speaks the truth. The kind of power that makes people attractive instead of the kind of power that makes people afraid. That's why we need to be free. That's why we need to be alive and powerful. Because to go to all the world, preach the gospel, live and look like Jesus Christ requires that kind of power. It's the kind of power I want. It's the kind of power I need. How do we get this power? We have it. We have it according to Scripture. So how do we release this power? How do we release this power? You have to believe. Is the word true or not? Is he faithful or not? Does he promise this? Promise of the Father. 